Hello and welcome to the Access of Space Defense and Security podcast. I'm Omkar Nikam, your host for this episode. In this podcast, we explore the latest developments and trends in the fields of space exploration, defense technology, and national security. Each episode features insightful interviews with experts and industry leaders who share their perspectives on a wide range of topics, including the latest advances in satellite technology, space exploration missions, military defense strategies, cybersecurity, and more. Whether you are a space enthusiast, a military professional, or someone interested in the latest innovation in technology and security, this podcast has something for you. Join us as we delve into the cutting-edge research breakthroughs that are shaping the future of space defense and security. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to episode 10. How Japan's new defense strategy will impact Asia. To understand the sphere of defense and security, we have today with us Dr. Satoru Nagao. Hi, Dr. Satoru Nagao. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm very happy to join. Likewise, thank you very much for joining us. So as we'll be touching upon some of the latest updates on Japan's defense strategy and Asia in general, so can you please provide a brief overview of your career, the organizations that you're associated with, and in general, your journey in this sector. Okay. Uh, I need to say, I'm Dr. Satoru Nagao. Uh, indeed, uh, my PhD thesis is uh, maybe a research, uh, mainly focusing on India's military strategy. But that's why, the, because of the recent uh, situation, the Quad, uh, US, India, Japan, Australia, uh, uh, and uh, what well, defense and security related cooperation is a main matter uh, I'm focusing on. So, originally, my background is defense and security, but uh, uh, because of this, uh, because of the India's military strategy is a rare topic in Japan, uh, mainly I'm focusing on this area. And I belong to the Hudson Institute, the, which located the Washington DC in the United States. And it, uh, uh, in the past, I, I stayed in the Washington DC nearly three years. But now I'm a fellow non-resident of the Hudson Institute. And uh, originally I'm Japanese, so I stay in Tokyo now. So from Tokyo, uh, I will explain the situation or reply to your questions in this interview. Thank you very much for giving a chance. I'm very happy to join. Thank you very much, Dr. Satoru, for providing us this brief overview. I'm really glad as well to have you on this podcast. I have been following you and your analysis uh, throughout, uh, through the different mediums, especially through LinkedIn. And I'm really glad you're on the podcast. I'm pretty sure all the audience who will be listening to this episode will be taking away some key updates and you'll be utilizing it uh, in their daily research and analysis. So yeah, to begin with the podcast, uh, I would like to know Japan has recently increase its uh, military budgets. So from that perspective, can you please tell us why it has suddenly recorded such an increase in the budget and why it is important for the international security sphere? Mm. Yeah, that's very important. Uh, yes, Japan changed their defense policy from defensive defense to the uh, uh, more active one. Uh, so that's why this uh, pub, uh, publishing the new document, the national security strategy or national defense strategy, and one more document, uh, defense planning, uh, is a very important document, a very important strategic shift. 
But uh, background reality is maybe uh, background reality has changed uh, more drastic. Indeed, uh, Japan's policy is trying to catching up to this change. The, uh, when we check the data uh, published by the CIPRI, the think tank in the Sweden, okay. the, from 2011 to 2020, so, so one decade, the China increased their uh, military expenditure 76%. Uh, so, but uh, during the same period, Japan increased only 2.4%. And the United States decreased, decreased 10% military expenditure. So that's why in this uh, security situation around Japan has changed very drastically. And this is serious uh, when we check the pattern of China's territory expansion. What happened in the South China Sea indicates an uh, interesting pattern of China's territory expansion. In 1950s, when France withdrew from the region, China took the half of the Paracel Island. In 1970s, when US withdrew from Vietnam after the Vietnam War, China took another half of the Paracel Island. In 1980s, when Soviet troops reduced the number in Vietnam, China took uh, six features of the Spiratory Island. In 1990s, when U.S. withdrew from Philippines, China took the Misty Reef. So, view from this activity with China, we can find one pattern. When China finds power vacuum created by the changing military balance, they took it. So, they are safe. So, recently, we can, uh, we can see the many news related with Russia, Russia's aggression in Ukraine. Indeed, when we compare Russia and China, Russia is a pattern of the beggar. When they find a chance, they use the military very fast. But uh, in case of China, China is safe. China steals the territory. That is a pattern. So how to deter China's activity? Maintaining military balance is very important. But uh, maintaining military balance demands a budget. Because I have already explained that 2011 to 2020, China increased their military yes. expenditure 76%. But yeah. so Japan published, Japan published, next five years, we will increase 56% of our defense budget in, in this uh, new uh, national security strategy. That is 56%, is less than 76%. So this is not enough. That's why, that's why the Japan tried to cooperate with other countries to divide China's defense budget in many directions with India, with Australia, with the United States, other South East Asia. That is also included this national security strategy. So that's why this is a new uh, national security strategy, but uh, based on the very serious uh, uh, situation in this region. But that is my answer. A little wrong, but thank you very much. Okay, yeah, I think th this makes sense uh, from the perspective, the way Japan has historically positioned itself, uh, you know, not only in cooperation, in a healthy cooperation with the Western allies, but also with the South Asian countries like India. So uh, just following up from this point, uh, Japan and US signed a treaty of mutual cooperation and security back in 1960. So can you give us a brief overview of what is the motive of this treaty and how it has shaped over time Japan's security strategy. 
Okay, in this case, uh, I should explain based on realism. So any country yeah. is not a friend. Uh, this is realism. Yes, okay? yes, that's true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. People say Japan will not fight against the United States again. That's why Japan uh, want to be the ally of the United States because the last 2000 year history, United yes. States is only exceptional country succeeded to occupy Japan as a foreign country. China tried that, failed. Russia tried that, failed. But the United States, that's why United States is exceptional country. Japanese admit they are stronger than us. That's why Japan will not fight against the United States again. That's why Japan will be the US side. This is most important security for Japan. That is the first reason. But at the same time, but at the same time, Indeed, Japan itself has a pattern of alliance. Indeed, uh, when we check Japan's alliance, when Japan allied with the British, Russia was the main, uh, main threat. To deal with Russia's yeah. expansion, uh, we need to ally with the British. That, so when Japan allied with Germany, what was the reason? The deteriorating relation with the United States was the reason. And uh, so in that time, Japan see a uh, German uh, occupied many European countries, they are rising. Uh, of course, that was a mistake. But uh, uh, of course, uh, Japan saw that. So when Japan arrived with the uh, United States, what kind of threat uh, Japan is uh, thinking? Uh, sure. So yeah. com expanding communist, uh, com expanding communist in the continent. Soviet, okay. China, Vietnam, Korea, uh, communist country uh, expanding the number and the areas. Uh, that was yes. a main threat for Japan. That's why we try we cooperate with the United States to uh, deter the expansion. Uh, that is a main threat. So Japan uh, tried to be the balance uh, and uh, to deter the threat. That is a pattern. That's why Japan chose the US side. But that is a second reason. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, uh, I think the point that you mentioned about uh, the communist countries that are rising up, I'm coming to that point. Uh, but just prior to that, uh, to close the chapter on the US and the India side. So recently we have observed the quadrilateral security group, which, which is also called as Quad, which has gained significant prominence, uh, uh, which, which was not actually the case back in the past. So can you tell us how Quad has impacted Japan's position in the international security? Yeah, indeed, in the Pacific, when the Quad is the one set, and Japan was the pioneer. Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, the address in the Indian parliament in 2007. That time, the, in his address, the idea of the Indo-Pacific and Quad both are included in uh, one address. And in 2012, he published one small, short English article, which explains why we need the quad more clearly. So that's why Shinzo Abe was indeed a pioneer of this idea. So when we check this document, we can find three things, three reasons why he thinks this Indo-Pacific and quad is needed in the current world and the uh, current policy of Japan. Uh, firstly, the rising region, which is uh, Pacific side, Indian Ocean side, should be the one integrated uh, concept. 
so Asia Pacific do not include Indian Ocean region. That's why the, uh, uh, this uh, concept is needed. So economically, they are rising that time. But at the same time, the, this uh, region it's, uh, itself is uh, under threat. Uh, should not be the China-dominated region. So that's why the Indo-Pacific, when we check the Indo-Pacific, we can find the countries who, who uh, has a, a, a territorial uh, problem with China. All of these countries are included in the Indo-Pacific. And Quad, Quad is uh, uh, all great powers in the Indo-Pacific except China. So indeed, this yes. concept uh, counter China strategy. That is second reason. And the third reason is, yeah, India is uh, most important in this concept because uh, uh, before the Shinzo uh, Abe introduced Indo-Pacific, Asia-Pacific is the concept, do not include India. And Quad, Quad, we went checked uh, US, uh, Australia, US and Japan, they are former allies, so they have the many chances to cooperate, so they do not need a Quad. Why they need a Quad? Because they want to talk with India. So, indeed, this concept is a concept uh, try to cooperate with India. So that is uh, maybe third reason and a very important part in this concept. So cooperate with India, try and try to deter China's territory expansion and uh, uh, maybe making the stable situation to develop in the, this region. Uh, that is a concept of the Indo-Pacific and the Quad. Uh, well, that was the reason, I think. Yeah, I think this makes sense. I think uh, from this perspective, as far as I see the United States, uh, I mean, to counter certain things in the South Asian region, uh, India is the country that they have chosen to align with. Uh, fortunately, that was not the case uh, in in the past uh, where, you know, India was aligning with the Western values. But I think things are changing. And I think India has to take a stand somewhere down the line where, it has to align or make create an alliance at least for a temporary purpose to you know counter some of the threats in the indo-pacific region so yeah just just moving ahead uh, uh, in this follow-up line as well uh, coming back to the previous uh, part that you had mentioned about the communism part the co countries which are you know highly uh, value in communist who highly value the communist uh, ideology are rising so there are rapid military movements we have recorded in the North Korean region. So do you think this is also the reason why Japan is investing heavily in the defense sector now? Yes, of course. North Korea's missile capability improved very fast pace, that's true. And at the same time, North Korea is a formal treaty-based ally of China. And China has only one ally, which is North Korea. So, but... Uh, why China lie with North Korea? Because they are gatekeeper of Beijing. To approach the Beijing, yes, North Korea defend the capital of China. So that's why they need the North Korea. China needs the North Korea. So, but uh, if China and North Korea uh, collaborate their move, what will happen? China okay. can invade Taiwan during North Korea attack South Korea. It could happen. So it will be the two-front war. Uh, and that kind of simulation is very important uh, because uh, currently uh, deterrence based on the simulation. So simulation is simulation. 
but uh, before the war, be, uh, war or the, before the uh, real war has happened, the simulation is one kind of war, and they calculate the fourth side uh, has uh, advantage as a military power. Maybe this is maybe a very important part of the security. So, well, in this case, yes. what should we do? Um, South Korea need to deal with North Korea. During that time, uh, Japan focusing on Taiwan. Something like that will happen. But anyway, North Korea's uh, uh, military activity, and which improves uh, their military capability very fast pace, that would be a big threat. But that is yeah. uh, maybe uh, my simple answer of this question. But uh, if I add one more thing, uh, we are worrying, uh, maybe simply say such kind of things uh, we are worrying. If the North Korea has a long range uh, missile capability, which can attack the mainland of the United States by nuclear weapon, uh, when yes. North Korea attacked South Korea or Japan, uh, will the U.S. come to this region to support South Korea and Japan uh, immediately? Immediately, that is uh, okay. a little questionable because uh, not because uh, United for United States, South Korea and Japan is a little far. For us, yes. the United States need to spend their life of their soldiers in this region. Yes. It's uh, doubtful. So even if uh, there is a national interest. Uh, even if the U.S. president want to intervene uh, without the pathway of, of the U.S. voters, they cannot intervene. So in this yes. case, uh, people are worrying, simply worrying. If the U.S. intervene in this region, North Korea can fire the ICBM to attack the United States by nuclear weapon. Uh, so uh, yes. is there the such kind of the, uh, maybe value the U.S. Uh, uh, need to bet? Such kind of the discussion will happen in the United States, and the uh, U.S. Uh, intervention will be delayed a little. There are such kind of situations, uh, maybe Japan and South Korea are worrying. So that's why that's why North Korea's missile development is a very serious issue for Japan and yes. South Korea, uh, I think. That is maybe another matter. For Taiwan, also, I have already explained uh, this is also important. I have, this is the reason. Uh, this is serious. Okay. Yes, I think we, we are talking about multiple nations at play in this moment. And considering the multilateralism, do you believe uh, Japan encourages multilateral institutions and how it is helping the country position itself in the international relations sphere? Hmm. That is an interesting question. Uh, maybe you are talking about ASEAN NATO or something uh, in this case, I believe. Yes. Uh, but if you talk about Asian NATO, yeah, it is welcome move for Japan. Uh, but uh, at the same time, it is very difficult because Indo-Pacific yeah. is a very wide region, very diverse region. Uh, for example, the, if the Indonesia includes the sea between islands, size of the Indonesia is a, a similar uh, uh, size with the EU. So yeah. you can imagine the, how big the Indo-Pacific is. So yeah. uh, it is not easy to it, integrate our efforts. Uh, but the recent, recent, uh, uh, recently, the situation has developed a very fast pace. 
since Russia's aggression in Ukraine, Western countries realize how important NATO is. So in the past, uh, people uh, doubt uh, the uh, importance of NATO, but now people uh, understand how important NATO is. So and. Uh, uh, yeah. Japan also cooperate with many allies such as the US, NATO, and the Quad because of the, this uh, uh, situation. Yes. So now uh, it is practical uh, for Japan to cooperate with uh, many nations at the same time. And uh, indeed, uh, uh, allies or partners are very important to decide who will win the competition in it. When we check the last three competition, for example, the World War One, World War Two, or US Soviet Cold War, which side win? Yes. We can calculate number of countries. Indeed, World War One, uh, thirty-two country consist one group, and they won. And uh, loser side is four. And World War Two, fifty-four versus eight. And the US Soviet uh, Cold War, fifty-four versus twenty-six. So every time bigger group won the competition, if so, if so, uh, to win the competition with China, to win the competition with Russia, we need to form the bigger group. That is very important. Yes. So now Asian NATO or NATO expands uh, interest to JGM anyways, uh, uh, we need to form such kind of multilateral cooperation. That is the key to win the competition. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, uh, just uh, actually, I would like to finish this question also, but uh, I think prior to that, just taking a leap uh, back. Uh, so Japan and South Korea are preparing to resume security talks, as far as I know from the recent updates. So can you tell us about the relations between these two countries, uh, both from the security dimensions and the defense, uh, not so much from the economic, but especially from the security and defense dimension? Yes, I have already explained that because the security situation is serious, Japan and South Korea cooperate each other, that is a good move, that's true. But okay. uh, I'm not optimistic in this case, because for South Korea, anti-Japan policy is very popular. When okay. South Korean government uh, lost their popularity, they need, yes. need anti-Japan policy. So recently, security environment is so serious, both countries cooperate each other. But in the future, so when the South Korean government lose their popularity, they need a discard. So they we start the anti-Japan card, and the Japan-South yeah. Korea cooperation will be collapsed. So okay. that we can expect such kind of situation. That's why Japanese are not so optimistic in this case, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah, that, that brings us to uh, one common point as well, you know, why, why we see a lot of uh, Japanese and Indian uh, cooperation going on, on on a several level. So coming to the same point, actually, because uh, we have observed uh, historically that, you know, South Korea primarily aligns with the Western values when it comes to the international relations. So what are your views on Japan with respect to the alignment with the West? Because I have, I personally have observed always that, you know, Japan has an independent perspective uh, as much as the India has, you know, like uh, it aligns with the West for certain things, but it has a, its independent perspective as well. So from uh, your experience, like uh, where does Japan align and if it is independent, then how it is independent, actually. Can you explain uh, this to us? 
Japan's independence based on pacifism, which is not interviewing any security situation in other countries. So that's why even if the United Nations peacekeeping operation, Japan hesitate to join, or even if the democracy or autocracy discussion has happened in Myanmar or other countries, Japan hesitate to move or impose sanctions against them, that was the pattern in the past. Recently, this kind of the, uh, one kind of isolationism, not the, we, we should not call this the pacifism in the international base uh, uh, definition. So that's why the Japan try to, to do not intervene in any situation in the other country in the world. That was the traditional pacifism Japan has done. That's why Japan is a little independent. But now Japan start to realize the cooperation with other countries is very important. And to cooperate, we need to intervene the, some the conflict in other countries. For example, the Russia's aggression to Ukraine, that we need to stand with Ukraine. Or in case of Myanmar, we should support democratic movement. So Japan has changed. Japan tried to support Taiwan now. So many things. So that's why Japan is changing. Uh, so yes. Japan will export weapons which uh, suffers invasion from other countries in the future. So South Korea support, uh, export weapons to Poland. Uh, Poland uh, donate weapons to Ukraine. That kind of situation has happened uh, because uh, South Korea can export weapons and Japan cannot uh, export weapons. But uh, Japan will export weapons. In this case, uh, Japan will join the Western move to defend democracy. So. Japan is uh, in the, so in this mean, I think Japan was not independent, just hesitated. Okay. But that is my opinion. Yeah, that, that's a good explanation, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank so you. I think we, we have uh, covered most of the things, uh, I believe. And if something is there, uh, definitely we can definitely create a, a second episode uh, or a follow up episode later uh, in this year. Uh, for sure, based on the response uh, on of this episode. And as we are uh, approaching the end, uh, so Dr. Satura, I would like to know, uh, you know, for your message to the future generation. As an international expert, what message would you like to give to the future generation stepping into this field of defense, security, research, and analysis? Mm, that maybe such kind of message should be optimistic, but uh, maybe... Uh, my message is just analysis of the current situation for the future. And so a little include the pessimistic side too. Uh, yeah. After the Cold War, the people in the world have enjoyed the global trade and uh, they underestimate the security uh, national border that is related with the nation. But yes. uh, recent uh, US-China competition COVID-19 pandemic, Russia's aggression Ukraine, returns the age indeed. So now government is regaining the power and the defense industry is regaining power too. Winston yes. Churchill wrote in his book, The World War II, uh, about the development of the defense industry. First year, they produce nothing. Second year, they produce a little. Third year, many they produce. And fourth year, they produce fraud, fraud, looks like fraud. So, yes. if so, if this process um, we can apply now, 
that currently the Russia's aggression enters the second year. This means that the defense uh, industry will produce a little uh, this year. But uh, in the future, third year and fourth year will come. This means that the defense industry will produce many or flood of the products. So if yes. the war will continue some more years, well, if the U.S.-China competition will escalate more and some years later, we will enter the age of defense industry, I think. So that's uh, uh, when, when the experts or the people want to be the expert, uh, want to research this area, we must not underestimate uh, national security. It's uh, my message. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Thank you very much, Dr. Nakao that uh, you know we had you on the podcast and this has been a great uh, episode uh, i believe a lot of listeners of ours will be taking a same not only the key messages but a lot of inputs that you have also provided along with the references to the several political dimensions the uh, defense dimensions as well so thank you very much again uh, for coming on this episode and your precious time uh, we'll definitely try to have you again on the uh, episode, possibly down the line in this year. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It is an honor for me. Yes. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you find our podcast insightful, then please like, share and subscribe. See you in the next episode. Thank you.